everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Michigan has got a real teacher turnover crisis on its hands. According to a new report by Chalkbeat Detroit, more than one in six Michigan teachers left for another school or left the classroom entirely in the 2018-2019 school year. Now, that's higher than most states, and it's a troubling statistic that has big implications for Michigan students. And the problem is worse in low-income communities, which makes racial and economic educational disparities even worse. Chalkbeat has been taking a deep dive into this issue, along with Crane's Detroit Business, which is highlighting the problem in this week's Crane's Forum. That's where we want to begin the conversation today. And I've got two guests here who have really been looking at this issue. Kobe Levin is a reporter for Chalkbeat. Kobe, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks so much for having me. And Owen Bondano is a Michigan Teacher of the Year for 2020 and 2021 English language arts teacher at the Oak Park Freshman Institute. Owen, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Uh, Kobe, I'm going to start with you. Give us a sense of the magnitude and the scope of this problem. How many Michigan teachers are deciding that the jobs they're doing are just not worth it? So across the state, you said it's it's roughly one in six uh, each year who are are just kind of either leaving the profession um, uh, or going to another kind of job in education, one way or another, they're saying the classroom is no longer going to work for them. Uh, but in a lot of schools that we looked at, especially in our cities, in rural areas, the proportion is much higher. Uh, we saw uh, found hundreds of schools that had turnover rates above 30%, so that's nearly one-third of teachers leaving each year. And it's not hard to find schools that have turnover rates even above that. Uh, When it's all said and done, if you look over a three or four year period at some of these schools, you'll find that almost no teachers who were there at the beginning of the period uh, are still there um, several years later. And that just has really grave implications for the relationships and the routines that are really essential to making schools run well. Hmm. Uh, What are the biggest factors for teachers who say, I can't, I just can't do this anymore? So it's a long list. Um, folks will talk about pay right up front. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of teachers out there who feel that uh, for their qualifications, they, they have at least a bachelor's degree, in many cases a master's degree, um, that they're just not being paid enough to support their families uh, and, and to match the work that they're doing and the long hours that they put in. Beyond that, uh, you hear a lot about support. Um, a teacher's sense of success, broadly, their sense that they're really able to help their students in their work environment is really crucial to whether they leave or not, that there's plenty of research showing that. And a a sense of success is connected to uh, a teacher's ability to do their work, so the training that they've received and the support that they receive in their classrooms every day. Are there uh, aides, paraprofessionals, social workers around who might help them uh, uh, handle any student issues that arise? Do they have mentor teachers who are coming into their classroom and and, and helping them uh, improve their craft and do an even better job with students? Those kinds of things uh, help teachers stay. And too often, uh, teachers tell us that they're just not happening. Uh, Owen Bondano, I want to talk with you about what this looks like at the school and and the classroom level. But before we we do that, I, I just want to make a note that you're a Michigan Teacher of the Year for 2020 and 2021. And I think in some people's minds, 
this is an issue that affects teachers who are not great at what they do. In other words, that is teachers who just can't hack it, who are the ones who decide to leave or or to move. And and I think that's a that's a real that's a real myth. Uh, I, I want you to talk a little about your experience with this issue in particular, uh, given the fact that uh, you're one of the celebrated teachers that we have here in Michigan. Absolutely. Well, I think it's important to note first that when we talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, when we talk about this issue, we're not just talking about teachers who leave the profession entirely. What we're mostly talking about is teachers who are leaving that school for a different school. Mm. Um, and it leaves certain schools with these very high turnover rates um, and other schools which with much lower turnover rates. Um, so my own particular situation um, my first year of teaching, I worked in one of these buildings that had a very high turnover rate. Um, we're talking less than half of the staff returning year to year, which leads to, um, just as was said earlier, over you know a few years' time, you have hardly any teachers who were there at the beginning of that period who are still there at the end. And from my perspective, um, as a classroom teacher, one of the worst things that this does um, is students get what I call a, an educational abandonment issue, where they they look at their teachers and they know that this teacher may leave and may leave soon. Mm. So as a teacher, my job uh, is entirely predicated on my ability to build a relationship with that student. Um, but if a student is already putting up walls because they think you might leave and they want to guard their heart against building a relationship with someone and having them leave, then it becomes incredibly difficult to do that job at all. Mm. So as somebody who now is, as you said, celebrated as a teacher, when I was a first-year teacher, I was in a place where I had none of the supports that were just mentioned. Um, I was being asked to do extraordinary amounts of work. Um, my, I was being burned out very, very quickly. Um, and it was so difficult to do even the basic job of building relationship with those kids because they all had those walls up. And it was very difficult to break down through those walls. And it led to the kind of situation where two, three months into the school year, I was already thinking, if this is what teaching is, it's not for me and I need to get out of this career. Mm. When clearly evidence has shown that when I was put into the kind of place where I was supported and where I could build those relationships and where I could focus more on the job that was really my job and not multiple people's jobs being put on my shoulders, um, I could flourish. And talk about the kind of mentorship that was available or not available to you in that in that situation did you feel like there was support to help get you through it i had a few people in that building who were attempting to support me um so i think that to say i had no support would would be disrespectful to those people but it was the kind of situation where they were meant to support a wide variety of teachers who were all at a wide variety of experience levels and with a lot of different um uh, places where they were strong or not as strong, um, and this one person was expected to support all of them, whereas once I got to somewhere else, I was given one teacher who was in her classroom teaching, but she was also responsible for helping just me. And so she really got to focus in with me on the things that I needed to do, to do better um, and on collaborating together to figure out how I could become the best classroom teacher that I could be. So, uh, as I said earlier, you are the Michigan Teacher of the Year for 2020 and 2021. How did you get to be th that that level of, uh, of excellent uh, uh, over that over time? Talk, talk to us about the, I guess, the journey from that beginning uh, to where you are now. Well, I think that I 
have been the recipient of this award, mostly because I have been able to focus in on the things that I think are the most important for my students. Um, when I was nominated for this award originally, um, one of the things cited in that nomination and something that has come up over and over again across the process of my application and then after winning has been my ability to make my classroom feel like a place where my kids can be truly comfortable and be themselves and where I can build a community with them and we can make learning collaborative and, and be a fun thing that we do together in this place where everyone is safe. But I really only get to do those things because there's plenty of other things that are taken off of my plate and because I can really focus in on honing my craft and my pedagogy to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking with Kobe Levin, a reporter for Chalkbeat, and with Owen Bandano, Michigan Teacher of the Year for 2020 and 2021, uh, an English language arts teacher at the Oak Park Freshman Institute. We're talking about the growing teacher shortage here in, in Michigan. Uh, Chalkbeat has been doing some reporting on the number of teachers who, number one, may move from one school to another, uh, leaving certain schools with a shortage of teachers and a shortage of options, uh, but also teachers who just decide they can't do it anymore and leave the profession. If you would like to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us what you think we should do to make sure teachers stay in their classrooms. Should we be paying them more, especially those who are just getting started? What other kinds of support do you think we need to give to educators. If you're a parent or a student, uh, tell us if you've had a teacher leave in the middle of the school year, what that was like uh, for your educational experience. Uh, What did that mean for the students in that class? We especially want to hear from you, though, if you are a teacher or a former teacher. How do you view these issues? And if you're a former teacher, what was it that made you ultimately decide that you wanted to go and do something else? Also, of course, we want to hear from, uh, from teachers who are sticking it out. Uh, what is it that makes you stay? Talk about the challenges that you face uh, each day when you go to work. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, uh, and we'll try to work you into the conversation that way. Again, 313 313- Five seven seven one zero one nine. Kobe, I want to talk about what's been going on during the pandemic, uh, during which, of course, we know there have been lots of disruptions to schools and and to teachers. Obviously, this makes uh, all problems uh, worse. Uh, but but talk about this particular problem and how the pandemic has affected it. Sure. So the struggle with turnover in Michigan goes back to before the pandemic. Um, Having said that, uh, anyone who knows a teacher, anyone who's talked to a teacher recently knows how difficult this year has been for them. Um, These are folks who signed up to work with students in person, and now many of them are having to learn how to teach students online and also struggling with the fact that in many cases, it just doesn't work as well. Um, I said earlier that a teacher's sense of success um, is really essential to their staying power, to their desire, their ability to stay in their classroom and to stay in the profession. Um, And surveys through the pandemic have shown that teachers don't feel they're succeeding right now. Uh, The pandemic has created uh, really a perfect storm of conditions that um, have made many teachers feel that they're not reaching their students the way that they should. We are seeing an uptick in retirements as a result. Um, Our partners at Cranes did speak to a handful of teachers who said, look, I can't do this anymore. Um, I'm of retirement age. 
and just for my own sake, I need to leave. Um, across the board, we're actually not seeing as much teacher turnover during the pandemic. Um, so over the course of 2020, turnover levels did tick down. That's not surprising. Uh, if you talk to economists about these issues, they'll say that uh, in any workforce, education included, uh, you would expect to see turnover rates tick down during a recession just because folks don't have as many other options. There aren't a lot of good jobs available. Um, that said, the researchers who've looked at this issue over the course of the pandemic were pretty clear with me. One of them said that she expects to see a mass exodus from teaching once uh, the pandemic is over hmm. and the dust settles. So I think uh, uh, folks are, are looking ahead with a lot of concern uh, uh, at the future of Michigan's teacher pipeline. Um, Big Neo on Twitter says, uh, fix the teacher shortage by paying a higher wage. Teachers and first responders should be making $100,000 to start and have programs in place to forgive student loans if they teach in areas where students are struggling and they improve uh, student learning, a really interesting uh, approach that, that has been suggested in some other some other places. Uh, Owen Bondano, I wonder if you can talk a little about what your experience has been during the pandemic, both uh, as a teacher, but also in the, in the school where you're uh, where you're working. I think what Kobe said about the that the feeling of successes is really important. Um, I've been teaching virtually for most of the pandemic, and um, those those successes seem so far uh, so few, few and far between um, that I, I hold on to every one that I can get. You know, uh, uh, when I let my students into the Zoom class, uh, I make sure to tell them hello, good morning, good afternoon each and every one of them specifically by name. And a couple of weeks ago, a student put in the chat, I don't think I've ever seen a day where you didn't say hello to every single one of us. And that is so small. But the fact that he noticed, mm -hmm. like I am holding on to that with both hands, you know, <laughs> um, because those successes are so few and far between in this space. And I, I acknowledge every day that what I'm doing on Zoom is not nearly as effective as what I could be doing with them in the classroom. I also acknowledge that it's what we need to do for student safety. And it's, it's this year, it's what it is. But I do mourn a little bit for, um, you know, I've got all these kids that I, we've built all these strong relationships over the course of a school year, and I, I feel like I know them so well. But because none of them turn their cameras on, when they're 10th graders and they wander back into my room and they say, hey, Mr. Bondano, I'm going to say, who are you again? Because I don't know what their face looks like. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, as we get closer to some return to normalcy, and I use that term really loosely because I don't know that any of us knows what normal even is going to be anymore. But as we get back to in-person more of the time or most of the time or all of the time in, in the fall and, and things maybe hopefully are, are more intact than other places. Oh, and I wonder what you're anticipating in terms of the school environment. Will it be better? Will it be worse? Do you think you will have colleagues, for instance, um, as, as Kobe pointed out, who are making plans already? to go and, and do something else, which, of course, would make it worse in terms of this uh, this shortage. I certainly do think that I have some colleagues who are looking at exit strategies. Um, I currently work at a building that has very low turnover, um, but I think that this, this year may be a, a higher year for us in terms of that, um, because I know some of them are looking and thinking. Um, I, I hope, you know, my, my big hope throughout this whole thing has been that the pandemic gives us as schools the opportunity to evaluate some of the things that already weren't working, but we always did it because that's the way we always did it. Um, 
And so it's been my hope that we'll be able to take some of the lessons learned during virtual education. You know, personally, I'm going to take a whole bunch of technology skills that I didn't have before that I think will improve my teaching even in person. And I'm going to try to bring those things into my, into my practice moving forward. And But I hope that from a, uh, a larger perspective, that education in general is thinking about how can we not just go back to normal, but go back to something better than what we had before. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about teachers and teacher shortages here in Michigan. We're going to keep Kobe Levin and Owen Bondano with us, and we will get to your calls next. Andrea in Detroit, a former teacher. We're going to hear from her. Sean in Macomb, who's a paraprofessional. Uh, We'll hear from him as well. Uh, We also will get to more of your comments on Facebook and Twitter. If you want to join the conversation, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. My guests are Kobe Levin, a reporter for Chalkbeat, and Owen Bandano, who is a Michigan Teacher of the Year for 2020 and 2021, an English and language arts teacher at the Oak Park Freshman Institute. We're talking about the growing teacher shortage crisis here in Michigan, something that started even before the pandemic. And of course, is getting is is getting worse uh, as we get uh, deeper into things. Um, we're talking about what might be done to keep more teachers on the job and on the job in the schools where they are. A big part of the crisis is teachers leaving schools that are troubled to try to find schools where the job uh, is a little more tolerable, which leaves those troubled schools, of course, with an even greater shortage. We want to hear from you uh, as well during this conversation, especially if you're a teacher or a parent or a student. Give us an idea what this problem looks like uh, in your school. Uh, If you are a former teacher, we'd love to hear from you about what made you leave the profession. If you're a current teacher, we'd love to hear what keeps you in the classroom. Why do you stay? Uh, As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter, put comments there, and we'll try to include you that way. Let's start with Andrea in Detroit. Andrea, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my comment. Um, I am a former classroom teacher. I taught for 10 years, um, both in California and Michigan, actually, and then left the profession seven years ago. Um, to move into the nonprofit space, and I'm honored to lead a nonprofit in Detroit that works with students to um, increase literacy proficiency. But I left for so many of the reasons that Owen has mentioned, and you know, the lack of support from the administrators. Um, often, decisions were made without taking into account any feedback from families, from teachers. Um, and that just the tremendous load put on teachers of of busy work and things that really were not effectively supporting students. Um, and it just was overwhelming. And I knew there was a better way to be able to work with our students and our communities. 
I really feel like it's a community, you know, education is not only happening within a school and within a teacher's classroom. There's community supports that can be brought in. And um, it was incredibly frustrating. And so I left and now working in nonprofit and being able to make the decisions at the organization that I lead, I've brought on several teachers as staff. Hmm. And by removing all of those things that were bogging them down, um, seeing them thrive in our organization, seeing students thrive because of the relationships they're able to build, because of the true focus they can put on their students, really tells me how much we could I mean, our, our teachers are just amazing humans that really care deeply about our kids and our families. Yeah. So if we could remove some of those things, I know we could see that change in schools. So, Andrea, I, I, I'm curious about the, 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 the time frame when you left the mm-hmm. district. What, what, how long ago was that? Yeah, I left seven years ago. Okay. And I actually left, um, I was having my first child. And so I didn't return after my maternity leave because I knew how um, unreasonable all of the things would be with a new child at home as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrea, I really appreciate the call and and you sharing your story with us. Uh, I, I actually really wonder in the last five or six years, as we've seen so much change in the Detroit schools, whether that picture looks different uh, for teachers now, I hope it. I hope it does, but but I, I, I don't really know. Uh, Owen Bondano, I want to give you a chance to to react to what Andrea is talking about here. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with everything that she said. Um, the I know that the lack of support is something that drives a lot of teachers out. It's what almost drove me out, um, and uh, I think that the more that that we can block and tackle and we can remove obstacles and allow teachers to focus on what they are meant to do to teach and to build relationships and community and to help students grow and learn, you know, the, the more satisfied teachers will be and the more they'll want to stay. Yeah. So Alvin uh, was a caller who could not stay on the line. He's a teacher in Royal Oak. He says that two ways to support teachers is to reduce class sizes and create more prep time for teachers. That's, those are two things that I've heard from teachers before. Uh, oh, and I wonder if, if they resonate with you. Absolutely. I mean, the smaller the class size, the more that I can focus in on what each kid needs and give them what they need. And as far as prep time, a huge part of, of teaching is the unpaid labor that we do. Um, you know, I'm frequently at home in the evening grading, creating lessons, writing unit plans, and so on. And I, I try to do as much of that during my prep time at school as possible. But if I only worked during my contract hours, my kids would not be getting the education that they get from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kobe, I wonder if you can give us uh, a, a closer look at what this issue looks like in Detroit, which is, of course, the largest school district that we have. But it's also a district that has had a lot more trouble than Uh, than many other districts. Uh, The last five or six years, we've been making some big changes in Detroit to make things better, including higher pay for new teachers. Uh, What does the shortage uh, issue look like in in the city? So it it is sort of a a, a split city now, um, especially as the Detroit district raised its uh, base salary quite substantially Mm -hmm. to one of the highest uh, levels in the region. that really has begun to differentiate the working conditions at the district from charter schools in the city. Um, now, 
you know, to be clear, there are certainly charter schools that are paying on the same level as the district and that may offer teacher supports. Um, overall, though, we do see that charter schools uh, have higher turnover rates. Um, they're more likely to have, um, you know, the very highest rates where uh, entire teacher staffs may be turning over in a period of several years. And, uh, you know, while we can't see their salaries be, uh, um, to actually confirm this because uh, of the way charter schools are set up in Michigan, um, we do know anecdotally that charter schools tend uh, on balance to pay less than the district. So in sum, we have seen, looking at uh, teacher level data over the last five years, we've seen a trend of charter teachers moving to the district more frequently than uh, district teachers move to charter schools. Mm -hmm. uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, let's go to Sean in Macomb. Sean, welcome to the show. Oh, hello. Hi. Hi. My name is Sean, uh -huh. and I'm a paraprofessional at one of our local high schools, and I work through a temporary agency, and working through the temporary agency, we get low pay and no benefits. We already had to take a pay cut in the, to agree to keep the school open, mm. but being a paraprofessional is almost the same stress as a certified teacher because... Uh, my teacher and I, we plan together. We do everything together, but I'm not allowed to go to the um, to the staff meetings. Uh, she won Teacher of the Year Award. They didn't recognize me. Mm. We've been working together for four and a half years. So it's the paraprofessional, the support staff. We don't get no recognition. It's like we're here. And then, okay, thank you. Bye-bye. The end. Wow. Wow. Uh, Sean, I'm really glad you called and shared that because it's not something I think a lot of people necessarily think about. It's not something that I necessarily knew uh, before either. Uh, Owen, talk about the relationship between teachers and paraprofessionals and whether uh, we need to be more supportive uh, of, of those of those folks as well. Yeah, I'm absolutely glad that Sean called. Um, that's definitely the case in many, many places. Um, I'm lucky enough in my district, our paraprofessionals are, are employees of the district with their own uh, unionized contract and everything, but that is not the case in many, many places. And that, that is for all support staff, too, um, not just paraprofessionals. You know, one of the other problems we have is not enough substitute teachers. And one of the big reasons for that is that substitute teachers don't get paid enough money. Um, you know, Money and pay comes down to the root for all these things, but absolutely in terms of support staff and in terms of paras, uh, you know, they need to be compensated for what they do and they need the acknowledgement. You know, some people think that they're just like assistants who go run copies for you, but they are they are professional educators who are helping to educate our kids. Mm. Uh, Kobe, the the idea of paras and and support for them, I would imagine, is. Uh, kind of in the background of the discussion about teacher shortage. But as Sean points out, it, it's, it can be pretty important. That relationship in the classroom matters. And I would imagine in districts where um, where students need extra support in the classroom, paras are the ones uh, often providing that. Absolutely. And uh, Sean makes such a good point. I mean, a, a number of experts that I spoke to about how to actually solve uh, the teacher shortage and teacher turnover issues really asked me to zoom out, to not think just about teachers, but to think of schools as ecosystems, as uh, communities that are only healthy if all the components are healthy, if everybody in those school buildings who's working with, with students 
Um, and even the folks working behind the scenes to keep the buildings working are supported, um, are adequately paid. And without that, um, as, as a school community begins to fall apart, as relationships fray or as folks leave and cut those relationships off, a school just begins to work less well, um, to work less well for students. So yes, paraprofessionals are extremely important to that process. And in fact, uh, Owen talked before about blocking and tackling, uh, about the idea that teachers are being asked to do too much and that uh, it, it, part of uh, supporting teachers is to just take some of that work off their plate. Well, who's doing that work? Um, that's paraprofessionals and aides doing the really essential work of, of uh, you know, helping the student who, uh, who may be acting out or needs extra attention to allow the teacher to continue to run the classroom and, and work with other students. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Sean, thanks so much for the call and the comments. Let's go to another Sean, this one in River Rouge. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you, uh-huh. um, Stephen, for having me. Uh-huh. Um, so I was a substitute teacher from 2013 when I graduated from college until 2018. Uh-huh. Um, and I bounced around. I worked for a third-party company, so I bounced around between districts um, in the Down River area. And it was amazing to see the disparities between uh, districts of co- that were mostly of color as opposed to others. Um, but overall, it's amazing because I, I didn't feel that far removed. I had graduated from high school in 2007, and there was such a change from the divestment in education as a whole. A lot of, of the arts were cut. A lot of the programming was cut. Um, I went back to my high school to sub, and when I was there, we had theater. We had woodshop. We had all of these things. And there, all of those were gone in a matter of seven years. So I'm like, what happened that quickly? Mm. Um, and it's just really sad. It's sad. So, so Sean, uh, that I think that's a fascinating point, but I, I wonder if you can talk a little more about what led you to do something else uh, after, what was it, five years uh, as a sub? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I, I started out because I come from a family full of teachers. So they were like, this is something that you can do to get your foot in the door and it would be good. Um, and like I said, I did a lot of bouncing around. But to me, um, it wasn't a good fit, but I knew when I was asked to stand on and be an actual teacher, um, my district asked me to be a teacher, and they wanted to pay me, 15, like I was making like $90 a day, they wanted to pay me $105 a day, and I would have the full responsibility of a teacher as far as lesson, lesson plans and things of that nature. And my degree isn't in education. Mm-hmm. So to me, it screamed, I didn't want to do those children a disservice, because that's not my expertise that wasn't my field so i didn't want to pretend to be something that i'm not qualified to do yeah um so i chose to step away and work somewhere else yeah uh, sean i really appreciate the the call and the and the comments uh, kobe levin the disparities that he's talking about uh something we've been talking about, about a long time here in the state of michigan and it's really profound when you go from district to district and i, I that's one of the things i'm sure that drives teacher shortages in districts that have fewer resources and 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 more more troubles. Absolutely, it's such an important point. Um, y- you know, in some ways, Michigan's uh, system for supporting teachers is upside down. Um, there's been a lot of research into the impacts of teacher turnover on students, student learning, especially. And what that research shows is that students in low-income communities 
are really affected more by teacher turnover. They lose more ground academically when their teachers leave, um, perhaps because they're just relying more on the stability uh, of their school communities. And yet in Michigan, students in those communities, students from low-income families, are more likely than any other group to attend a school with very high turnover, so 30% turnover or more. And, uh, you know, I spoke to students and teachers over the course of the reporting who are just anguished by this. You know, they ask themselves, what opportunities have I missed because I've been sitting in a classroom with a long-term sub or because my teacher left mid-year? Um, it's an impossible situation that we're putting uh, folks in, and we're really only putting certain people in it. Uh, we're talking about low-income students, Black students, who are just far more likely to bear the burden of teacher turnover in the state. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Bill in Detroit. Bill, welcome to the show. Hi, I am fortunate to be working in the same building as Owen. And uh, <laughs> we haven't seen each other in uh, a year until recently. <laughs> right. But um, <laughs> I did want to ask him a question uh, that he could elaborate on about the final, uh, maybe the final nail in the coffin for our teachers is the uh, emphasis on standardized testing and how as teachers we value diversified learning and diversity and differentiated instruction. And then we're somehow supposed to pivot and have standardized tests be the focus of uh, our uh, educational experience. Hmm. And I don't think uh, I've ever had a student I've been teaching for two dozen years come back and say, hey, you thanks, you raised my test scores. <laughs> and what's made it worse, and I think Owen can address this, is now uh, teachers are starting to be evaluated based on how their students uh, did on these high-stakes standardized tests. Sure. So if, if you could comment on that, that would be great. Yeah, Bill, Bill, thanks very much for the, for the call. Uh, Owen, go ahead and respond. How's it going, Bill? Uh, yeah, certainly uh, when uh, standardized tests, we know, measure one kind of learning and one kind of test taking. Um, you know, one of the things we do when we teach test taking skills to students is emphasize to them that test taking in itself is a skill. So in some ways, the, the, the test is just measuring how well you can take a test. Um, and then uh, as Bill mentioned, it, there has been an increase over the last few years in using test scores to evaluate teachers when we know that those test scores are a snapshot of maybe how that student was feeling that day, how much effort they felt like putting in that day, um, how much they wanted to take the test and game the test rather than get it over with as quickly as possible and go do whatever else in their lives, and that we are being held responsible for that. It does seem very odd that we are, as Bill mentioned, being told to different, differentiate for our students, find the ways of learning that work for them, connect to them personally, and then we are evaluated on this one snapshot of one kind of learning that doesn't really represent what we do in the classroom and what those students are learning overall. Um, and that is a big source of frustration for teachers, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Kobe Levin, reporter for Chalkbeat, and Owen Bandano, English language arts teacher at Oak Park Freshman Institute and the Michigan Teacher of the Year for 2020 and 2021. It was really great to have both of you here this conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having us. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to look at how and why Detroit students are struggling to earn degrees, even with some special programs in place intended to help them go to and graduate from college. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Detroit Today. 